0: at gracekettering.org thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode remember that jesus is at the northern side of the sea of galilee he is up on a plain. uh up he was up on a mountain came down to this leveled off area this plateau area overlooking the sea of galilee and he sat and taught his disciples that had gathered there there were others on beyond the 12 that had gathered there, according to Luke chapter 6. And so it was a crowd that was there, and he was teaching them very much in distinction to what they were learning from the religious leaders and the, all the traditions that had been piled on top of his word by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priests and so on. Similar to in our day... Uh, the word of God cuts through so much of that. All the religiosity—it cuts so much through all of that. And Jesus' message oftentimes will uh, will leave enemies on both sides, leave enemies in the world and in the religious crowd. And we need to remain committed to sticking with the truth. And so we're here, Matthew chapter number five, and verse number five is where our focus will be. But let's stand and read through the Beatitudes, verses one through twelve, this morning. And read these and let's listen and give our our attention to the word of God. And seeing the multitude, multitudes, he went up into a mountain and when he was set, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Let's read verse five together. persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake let's read together rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you thank you You may be seated Father, thank you for your word. We receive it today as your word, authoritative in our lives. And though it may challenge us, as you already have mine through this particular verse, Lord, I pray that we would respond with yes to your Holy Spirit, that we respond with obedience, that you would give us understanding. Open thou our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, I pray for the the filling of your spirit both in me as the preacher and and these as the listener and today may we work together in this body of Christ Lord to grow in the grace and knowledge of yourself and pray for anyone that does not know you personally as their savior I pray that they would come unto you and that they would they would learn of you and find that you are meek and lowly in heart or that they would receive you by faith for the forgiveness of sin Lord, we thankful for this opportunity to gather together today. We give you this, this moment. We give you this time. Work in us. Have your will. Lord, may our will not be dominant. May your will be supreme. And so we ask you to, to do in us what you would like. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Wiersbe talked about the Beatitudes and summed them up. The first beatitude that we have studied together, our attitude toward ourselves in which we feel our need and admit it, is to be poor in spirit. This idea of they that mourn, he said, our attitude toward sin and true sorrow for sin. uh, That's difficult, but the Bible says those that mourn will be comforted. This attitude of being meek is our attitude towards others. We're teachable we do not defend ourselves when we have been in the wrong and so this attitude of meekness is what christ would like to develop in us today christ has been calling his children since he wrote scripture to be different from the world and yes even to be different from the religious teachers and all the religiosity that is out there he calls us to be different And he calls us away from man-centered religions to himself, to himself as revealed in the pages of Scripture. He preached this Sermon on the Mount in an effort to say, this is what I want to be in my kingdom. We understand that the Sermon on the Mount would serve and will serve as a sort of constitution for the millennial kingdom. But right now, he's setting up his kingdom in your heart and in mine. In every heart that is believed on him, he's setting up his kingdom, his rule and his reign. He is to have absolute sway. And this is the way. This is the way that he wants his followers to live. These are the attitudes that he wants his followers to develop. This poorness of spirit. This this mourning over sin. This, This meekness towards those that are without and yes, towards God. There was a missionary in Jamaica that once was questioning a Sunday school class of little boys, and he, he said uh, in, in relation to Matthew chapter number five, he says, who are the meek, On um, boys, and, and waiting for a moment for them to get some thoughts up in their minds, who are the meek? And one little boy shot up his hand, and he, he answered this, he says, it's those that give soft answers to hard questions. Those that give soft answers to hard questions, there's a little bit of a reality in that. The meek. God wants us to develop the spirit, the attitude of meekness. Now, if I were to do a poll in here today, perhaps you'd say, I, I think I'm pretty meek. And uh, as we go through this, we've found that each one of these beatitudes get to get to the, the foundation, get down deep in our hearts. And if we really pay attention to them, we find that they're they're convicting, they're life changing. And I'll have to tell tell you, even as I I walked through this this message that I'm going to give to you with the Lord's help this morning, I found in my own heart, there's some areas of meekness I need to develop. And I just had to tell the Lord, I'm convicted. I'm not as meek as maybe I think I am. And this this is an attitude that God wants us to develop this week to work on. And he's given these to us not, not to you know, say all oh, those are nice beatitudes they are easy to read through, easy to memorize. I memorized these when I was a teenager. You know, we had a, in Christian school, we had a list of, of, of Bible passages that we needed to memorize each month, and we went on rotation. Well, this was one of the ones on rotation. Memorize through these. But it's a very different thing to just be able to recite them, read them, or to be them, right? And Christ wants you and I to be meek meek let's think about this for a moment the principles of meekness the opposites of meekness really is one that is proud self-conceited uh they think they're important and they let you all know it yeah ever heard someone bragging here's my resume posting it. it's it's never been easier to brag on yourself and to brag on yourself in a in a in a way that seems like you're being humble, right? We can post it out there, we can we can share it out there. We have so many mediums of communication. Uh, opposites would be um, being powerful and big big shots you know people that think they're they're tough and so kind of the opposite of of one who is meek and so there are elements of meekness and two that I really want to draw out first of all the the element of meekness or a principle of meekness is gentleness gentleness Uh, as guys sometimes we don't we we think well we want to be we want to be manly and rough and tough and so forth but Jesus himself presents himself, reveals himself in Scripture, Matthew chapter 11, as meek, meek. Someone who is meek, someone who is gentle. The world tells us to fight for ourselves. Constantly be in a fight spirit, defend your rights. Fight for yourself, defend yourself, and and, and kind of be in that fight spirit. I think that during the pandemic, That we all went through together. They're developed across humanity and even inside of Christianity. A fighter spirit, kind of a, a, I have to defend myself. I have to defend myself against the virus. I have to defend myself against philosophies that I don't like or, or what people are commanding me to do that I don't want to do, you know. And so we kind of got this fighter spirit, this individualistic fighter spirit, you know, that is seen even in our community. There's an awareness even among the lost that, that the pandemic divided us And 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 ruin the sense of community, even in our own community here, even in the community of Kettering. And you realize the lost see that, but we need to be aware that this has has happened. And and sometimes, even as Christians, we can we can be in fight spirit when we don't need to be. We can be in and ready to, to go after it when we don't need to be. That is not the spirit of meekness. The spirit of meekness is gentleness gentleness meekness is not weakness you might have heard that before meekness is not weakness let's say that together meekness is not weakness it's not weak to be meek Jesus was not a weak individual Uh, sometimes you see the paintings of of Christ I I think sometimes he's portrayed a little bit uh weak but that's that's we don't know what Jesus looked like um Jesus was a a man Uh, believe believe me it, it took men to rough it out there jesus didn't have a house to stay in he didn't whine about that he just said that you know the foxes have holes the birds have nests son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head down he was he was a man but yet he was meek he was not weak in his in his spirit in biblical times in uh in 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 ancient times uh, war horses were were used as as tools of war. We understand that, and uh, one of their great strengths, or a the needed element, was for th- all of their strength to be under complete submission to the rider. And this this element, or this characteristic, for these war horses, was called meekness. It was strength under control. And you think about the power of a horse. We even still today use the term horsepower to describe how powerful an engine is. It has how many horsepower. Just think about all that strength under control. Well, I remember one time I was driving my grandma's 1986 Black Regal, Buick Regal Coupe. It had, uh, you, does anyone know you have a picture in mind? I wish I had a picture of that thing, I don't think I do. One of these days when it'll turn up. But it was, it was pretty nice. She kept it in the car. She was, she was, a, um, she was nocturnal. Um, so uh, for different uh, physical issues, she just didn't like to be around people. And so she did everything at night. She did her grocery shopping at night. So when, when, the, when the sun went down, my grandma went out. That's, that's how, how she was. And, and she was that way. I, that's, you always had to be quiet when you visited grandma. It was really a great day to go visit Grandma because she was always asleep during the day. Like That's, that's just the way, the way she was. But she had this car. I lived with her during my sophomore year in college, so I was about 20 minutes away from the campus uh, down on the shore of Lake Michigan. or not on. We were closer to the shore in Fox Point, uh, Wisconsin. And uh, I remember driving her car. I didn't have a car at that point that was part of living with her. She would allow me to use her car because she didn't need it in the daytime because she was sleeping. And uh, so I would drive a car. I remember going out to work in the car, and I had gone over a set of uh, railroad tracks, and the accelerator stuck. I think I've told you the story before. The accelerator stuck, and I'm telling you, you talk about really a bad feeling because this thing is climbing down Good Hope Road. If, if, you, uh, if you know Good Hope Road, uh, going from Fox Point out to Menominee Falls, and uh, it, is, it is climbing, and I have no control over it. Listen, you want control over the vehicle. You want control over the horse uh, and, and out of control. That's not meekness. In control, strength under control, that is meekness. So it's not weakness, but it is strength under control. It is strength under control. We all know what it is to have strength maybe over somebody. You don't exercise all that strength on them. We don't, we don't drill into them. And that is meekness. Strength under control. Perhaps you remember uh, the famous uh, speech in which Teddy Roosevelt, given at the Minnesota State Fair, he said, speak softly, help me out, and carry a... Yeah, we need that today, don't we? Speak softly and carry a big stick. Uh, Back it up. And this was one of the ways he wanted to keep peace in the world was by speaking softly, speaking nicely, but everyone knows that we have we have power behind that. There's strength behind that. We're not mealy-mouthing it. There's power behind that. Speak softly, carry a big stick. Good illustration of meekness. So we are to be gentle. We are to have that. that be, uh, be soft in the way that we come across. The Bible says uh, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Be gentle in how we go about our lives. We are to be gentle with others, just like Christ was gentle with us. Paul illustrates that when he was talking to the Thessalonian believers. He says, we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Even as a nurse kindly cares for her children. That's how we are to be, gentle. Yes, men, we can be manly. We can be gentle. We can be, we can be like Jesus who welcomed and was inviting to the young children to come he didn't push them away through his masculinity and uh, you know being all tough and gruff with and with him Welcomed. that was his spirit the spirit of meekness that was Paul's spirit with the Thessalonian believers we don't want to be a bull in a china shop right that's not meekness that is that's the opposite of meekness the Bible tells the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach in meekness, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, instructing those. Listen, there are times that as a, uh, one serving the Lord, we're going to have to uh, patiently teach and bring along, be gentle, because not every time when you teach something does that any, everyone listen. We find that out in our, in our homes, right, with our children. We find that out in the workplace. You know, that doesn't stop when we come inside of church. You know, much of preaching and teaching is the the repetition of truth. It is exactly what is stated here. Be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, just calmly continuing to teach the word in gentleness. As I think about that specific responsibility, Paul told the pastor Timothy there in Ephesus, that is my responsibility in meekness to instruct those that oppose themselves. You know, there's times where you, as, as a part of, of Christ's body, you might be going in a way uh, that is contrary to God's word. And my responsibility is in meekness over and over and over again to instruct, say, this is the way. This is the way that God, uh, God wants us to go. And it's, it's to be done in a spirit of meekness. Strength under control, but not in, uh, not in weakness. We'll see more about that in a moment. It's, ba- it's, its element is gentleness, but it's based in humility. One commentator said it. It's impossible that the poor in spirit and the mourners in Zion should not be at the same time meek. Meek. There's a flow here, a humility before God. A mourning over sin that outflows in a meekness towards others and towards God. That out, uh, outflows in gentleness and humility towards others. We are to be humble. It's based in humility. The, um, the Pharisees were exactly opposite of that. They were, they were very harsh. They constantly were coming down on the people. You stepped out of line. You took another step beyond what you're allowed on the Sabbath day. And they're constantly lurking in the corners of the fields. You ate corn on the Sabbath day. You didn't wash your hands. Can you imagine that type of dominance? That's what Jesus was speaking in contrast to. They were ruthless with others in their pride. Ruthless. And so meekness that Jesus is calling us to is opposite of a high-minded, quarrelsome spirit that the Pharisees maintained and developed in their followers. Uh, This this spirit that was ready for a fight, eager, looking for someone to trip up and to pounce on them. That's the Pharisees. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 7. Now therefore, there is utterly a fault among you Because you go to a wall with one another, why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? He's saying to the church of, of Corinth, you are so ready to get engaged in a fight. What does the Bible say about contention? Only by pride cometh contention. They're so ready for a fight. That's not meekness. It's based in humility, a humbleness. You know what? I don't always have it right. God will take care of this matter. In fact, that's what Romans 12 and verse number 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, help me if you know it, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Meekness gives it over to God in humility. God, here it is. I can't deal with everything involved in the situation. I'm giving it back to you. It gives God the problem. It does not avenge, uh, avenge itself. It doesn't take vengeance. i got to make this situation right. i got to bring justice into the situation. We'll often find ourselves losing a meek attitude when we get that, that spirit. 1 Peter 2 and verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, speaking of Christ, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. God, you're going to have to take this. A way to maintain a humble, meek spirit is God, you're going to have to deal with this. Right? When we, when we feel like, I got I to take this situation, I got to make it right, I got to make sure they're toeing the line, I got to make sure they're, they're not violating this, I got to do all this. Oftentimes our pride creeps up and we become the one who's in charge of the situation. I must fix this. Pride takes responsibility of God's responsibilities. Pride takes responsibility of God's responsibilities. We need to remember that. Even as we see it, uh, operate as a body of Christ, there are some things that are not your responsibility. And you simply need to bow and say, God, this one's yours. I give it to you. I give this back to you. I'm asking you to work in this situation. And meekness will do that. Perhaps we need to ask the Lord today, Lord, I, I need you to cultivate in me that meek spirit. I just always I, I seem to be on edge and always ready to, to get it after something. I don't want to be that way. I want you to cultivate that meek spirit which is based in humility. Martin Lloyd Jones was really prince of preachers um, spoke spoke wonderfully similar to a Spurgeon but I love this quote the man who truly is meek is one who's truly amazed that God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do this makes him gentle humble sensitive patient in all of his dealings with others see it's based in humility I'm nothing. I know, but, but, but for the grace of God, I have nothing. I, without the grace of God, like Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. I know who I am. And I'm amazed that God loves me. And Paul said, I'm amazed. I, I thank God that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. I'm amazed that God loves me. I'm amazed that God uses me. And this develops in us a spirit of meekness, a spirit of humility, a spirit of meekness strength under control so what's the path if this is the uh, gentleness and humility are kind of the elements of of meekness then what is the path where does meekness lead us what does meekness do in our our lives notice first of all it's a blessed path and we're gonna we're gonna track through scripture just a little bit here about six points we're gonna track through scripture what does the bible say happens in the life of the meek what is the path of meekness it's a blessed path There's a blessedness more than a feeling. It's a reality. We've already learned that this blessedness, Jesus saying here, blessed are the meek. He says that these are those that have divine grace upon them. God's power and enablement are upon them. His divine favor is upon them. There is certainly joy that is wrapped up inside of this blessing that Jesus is pronouncing on those who have this meek spirit. Happiness is a subjective state. But Jesus is not talking about something that's subjective here. He's saying something that's very objective. Those that are meek have God's favor upon them. And notice what the Bible says in Psalm 147 and verse 6. The Lord lifteth up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. God is there helping up. He's lifting up. He's exalting the meek. Remember, there's 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 a correlated thought to this that God will abase the proud, he will demote the proud, but he will exalt the humble. Notice how this similar language here. God lifts up the meek. Those that have strength under control, those that are gentle, those that are living out humility in their lives, in this, in this meekness, he lifts them up. Think about the blessing of that. Think about the, the curse or the discouragement of god working against you you ever been there seems like god's working everything against me it seems that god himself has put his hand and he's staying me well you know even uh back in in the history of the children of israel moses talked about god if you don't go up with us we don't want to go up right it's a it's a scary thing to have god working against us because we've lifted ourselves up in pride or we've not been meek. But he says, I lift up those that are meek. What a blessing. What a blessed life. That's objective. That's something that God can only do in our lives. It's a blessed path. It's a satisfied path. Psalm 22 and verse 26. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. You know, the ungodly man is never satisfied. In fact, the Bible says the eyes of man are never satisfied whether that's in the relation to relationship finances position fame fortune blessings entertainment whatever it is the eyes of man are never satisfied they can have and have and have and still complain i want to are with me that we've been there way too often right mm. that's when we're not walking with the lord right The eyes of man are never satisfied. But the meek, he says here, they eat and they can be satisfied. They're in a position to be satisfied. Because they're living out humility in their life and it's evidencing it in the spirit of meekness, they're in a position they actually can be satisfied. A person that is following after God can sit down at the dinner table and say, Thank you, Lord. Even though it's rice and beans, thank you, right? Even though it's ramen noodles, thank you. Ramen noodles get a, get a really a bad rap, don't they? I mean, at certain times, they're really not that bad, right? I remember we used to put them together in, in college dorm, and they were pretty, pretty awesome, some ways that you can put, um, put those things together. Probably not the healthiest thing, but no matter what's in front of us, we can stop and say, you know, thank you, Lord. The the godly person can be satisfied. They can be satisfied. You and I should be able to be satisfied. He says the meek eat and they are satisfied. The story is told of a a farmer who decided he wanted more and more land. And so he heard of some cheap land... uh, by the uh, in the the area of the Bashkirs, and so he sells everything he has, and he he moves over there, and he decides to buy some land. And he found this deal where he could buy for one thousand roubles, he could buy as much land as he could walk around in a day. And so he set out on this on this journey across this land, and. As he walked, he walked, he didn't necessarily keep good track of time, but he walked and he'd see a good piece of land and he'd walk out of the way and he would walk about it and he'd see some more fertile ground and he'd walk around it. And he just kept on doing this until he realized he had spent the day walking and he had, he had not enough time to get back. He had to circle around in order to get this, this land. He had to circle around him, as much land as he could walk about in a day. So, as he realized this, boy, he was a fright. And so he started running back, um, back to the place that he started. And he ran and ran and ran and ran. And as he arrived there, he fell dead in exhaustion. And they buried him on the spot that he died in, just as much land as he needed. Right there, he was buried. You know what that is picturesque of our lives? We run and run and run and run. The ungodly run and run. We're never satisfied. God says the meek can be satisfied. The meek eat and are satisfied. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Don't we long in a world full of turmoil to have that type of peace, that type of settledness? I do. And there's oftentimes I'm not there. And the Lord has to convict me of you're wanting more and more. You ought to be able to just be satisfied with what I've given you right now. We ought to be able to be satisfied. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, Lord. You gave today. You gave today. So it's a it's a satisfied path, it's a directed path. He says in Psalm 25, verse 9. The meek will he guide. Similar similar to the reality that the meek can be satisfied, the meek can also be guided. So we're we're seeing here how it evidences in our life where this meekness leads us. The meek person, yes, they can be satisfied, but the meek person can be taught. Have you ever met a person that can't be taught? They can't be taught anything, even when they're doing the very wrong thing and it's blatantly obvious to everyone around them. A meek person can be taught. Jesus wants his disciples, like you and me, to be able to be taught. Everyone can be taught something. If we're looking for it, we'll likely learn something this week. And maybe we'll have to step back and say, you taught me something new. And it might be a child that teaches us something. How many of you feel that? I think I, I saw um, Brother Adam helping out with a computer issue out here at the Welcome Center today. Right? There's, there's meekness in play. I was sitting in a, Brother Adam was sitting in a, a, a Panera yesterday, and someone came up to me and asked me to help them get on wi- a Wi-Fi. It was an older person, right? There's a willingness to be taught, but you know that goes both ways. Young people, teenagers, young adults, we need to be able to be taught by the older generation. But most of all, all of us need to have the spirit of meekness towards God that we are ready to be taught from His Word that we're eager to be taught. The meek, he will guide. And the neat thing about that in Psalm 25 and verse 9, he will guide in judgment, he'll give them discernment, which way to go, and the meek, will he teach his way. It's the meek that God says, I'm going to actually help you on the way. I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to help you know what my will is. How many times do we hear people say, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Perhaps we need to have a spirit First, a poorness of spirit that gets real about our sin and evidences itself in a meekness. Lord, I want to know. I want to know. And it's a meekness towards Him that allows Him to teach us His way. We're able to be directed. We're able to be directed. Just like that warhorse, it's able to be directed. Through the, through the reins and through the, the bit and bridle, it's able to be directed. May God help us to be like that. It's a peaceful path. It's a peaceful path. Psalm 37, verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth. This is what Jesus is quoting. And shall delight themselves in an abundance of peace. He did not say that all the circumstances around the meek would become peaceful. You and I wait on circumstances way too much. We allow those circumstances, though they're full of turmoil, to creep into our souls. He says it's the meek that are going to delight themselves in an abundance of peace. They're going to be at peace when everything else is raging. Now, we've heard the the, the term making waves, right? Someone who makes waves, well, the opposite of that. I didn't want to rock the boat, didn't didn't want to make any waves, right? So here's the idea, the meek are, are at, a, at a point in the relationship with God and the way that they're following after him, the way that they're trusting him, they're able to delight themselves in abundance of peace. They're not making all sorts of waves. And all, they're, not, they're not a storm in a body. You know, a storm just walking around, creating storms for everyone else. No, the meek, they'll delight themselves in abundance of peace know that the Lord would help us to have that, that spirit, that spirit of meekness that allows peace to rule in our hearts. It's a joyful path, Isaiah 29 and verse 19. The meek shall increase their joy in the Lord. They shall increase their joy in the Lord. There, it's a never, never-ending path of joy. Why? The Bible says, In, the presence, uh, in thy presence is fullness of joy. It's a place of joy. And so as we're in right relationship with him and our attitude towards him is meek and our attitude towards others is meek, there's a a growth of joy. Have you ever noticed in your life when you're in that fight mode, there's no joy? And sometimes you can even be fighting a, a battle that must be fought. Sometimes there are battles that we face. We have to fight them. But when we take control of that, like the Pharisees, we want our way rather than God's way. We're not submitted to the Lord. We haven't dealt with our own issues well. We get in that fight mode. There's no joy. There's no joy. Even in the midst of battles that must be fought, we can have joy when, when we're walking in meekness. And may the Lord give us strength with that. But notice lastly, it's a rewarded path, and this gets down to our passage of Scripture here. The Bible has a lot to say about meekness. Do a search. I've just touched on a few of them. But do a search of meekness. And it's amazing how much the Bible says about this matter of being meek. It's a rewarded path. They'll inherit the earth or they'll possess the earth. But the meek, Psalm 37, shall inherit the earth. That's exactly what he says here. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus is quoting from Scripture. Jesus is basing his message on Scripture here for us right now. And he says, listen, they are going to be the ones that inherit. They're going to be the ones that possess the earth. And maybe that's a hard concept for us to get around. What? Will I get more property? But I think if we go to the Bible for illustration, it'll help us to understand this. The Bible says in the, uh, in, in the New Testament, the Old Testament is given to us for example. So, Who's an example of one that had strength under control? Who's an example that had humility towards God? Uh, Who's an example of of when he could have absolutely crushed his brethren, he did not? Yeah? Think about Joseph. Over and over in his life, his attitude towards God was humble. The way that He he walked himself was right. The Lord was always with him. He didn't allow bitterness to set into his life. Even at the end of his life when he told his brothers, God, you meant this to me for evil, but God meant it unto me for good. But you notice everywhere that Joseph went, Potiphar's house, the prison, and also in Pharaoh's court, everywhere he went, he inherited or possessed leadership, opportunities, and great authority. Didn't he? He didn't vie for it. He didn't show up in Proverbs' house and says, I will be in charge here. You all have been here serving. I'm going, to show you, I'm going to show you something. Nope. He just served and did the right thing consistently over and over and over again. There are people in the world that are constantly vying for a position or a pay raise or, or a, a place to be. They're constantly vying for more, more, more. I want, I want this position. I want this political position. I, I want this this, this notoriety, I want, and they're constantly vying for it. The reality is they will find themselves constantly falling short, like the squirrel in the nut, just constantly chasing after it. You get the picture right there. Uh, it, just constantly chasing after it, falling short. The, the donkey with the, the carrot out in front, constantly falling short. One man said it this way, An impatient and quarrelsome man raises up enemies often loses property in lawsuits, spends his time in disputes and broils rather than in sober, honest industry, and is harassed, vexed, and unsuccessful in all that he does. And so it's this, this, I want this, as opposed to I'm going to do the right thing that's in front of me, I'm going to do the next right thing, and leave the results up to God. It's a rewarded path. He says they will inherit the earth. My mind goes to individuals in the world right now that seem to be inheriting the earth. For whatever reason, men like George Soros, seem, their name seems to be constantly popping up. But you know what? We can fret about that, or we can do the next right thing. The Bible says in Psalm 37, it's a great verse to read, Chapter to read. The Bible says, Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Oh, there's great evil out there, and sometimes they seem like they're inheriting the earth. They got the position, they have a stranglehold on the global society. Psalm 7, uh, 37, verses 8 and 9 lead up to what Jesus tells us, the meek are going to inherit the earth. Now certainly there's a reality in the millennium that will absolutely be true. But there is realities of that. There are... There are uh, there, there's times where that is the reality right now. And you might see it in a workplace. Someone who strives in an ungodly way, they cheat and they cheat to get to a certain place, and then, and then God allows it to be exposed, and a person who has done it rightly, honestly, finds that spot. They get that spot. And uh, we pray, we pray even in this world, we look around and we see a lot of people who have striven and they've, they've, they've fought and they've cheated, and they've gone after things, God's word will not be mocked. The meek will inherit the earth. The meek will inherit the earth. They will possess. We must mind doing the next right thing before God. Before God. Paul said, godliness is profitable unto all things. All things. And we need to believe that. It's always right to be godly. It's always right to do the right thing. So the life of the meek is is a wonderful life. It really is. Uh, When we have the right mindset towards God. It's a wonderful life. Not an easy life all the time, but it's a wonderful life. And so notice how we are to practice this in in all of our days. Notice how we're to practice this this week, the practice of meekness. It is first of all, your relationship between you and God—that's the first priority. Your meekness toward God. How are you meek towards God? I love watching uh, uh, info videos. I—I I am not a, a person that really enjoys sitting down and just watching a, a lot of um, entertainment videos. I would prefer to learn something from it, or it has—it has to be reality. The the fake stuff just—it just, just doesn't—it doesn't. I go to sleep. So I, I love watching like uh, info, info videos that teach me something. And one, uh, one of the ones, there's a lot of them out there about Tesla. And I, I will never, uh, I, I shouldn't ever say never. It, maybe we're all going to be driving Teslas before the end of, the, you know, end of, end of time here. But I, I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not necessarily a fan of, of driving one. I'd rather have a gas powered something I could go a little bit further than 150 miles in before I need to charge for an hour or whatever. I might be... Uh, exaggerating that a bit, but I do enjoy watching all about Tesla. And have you heard of their gigafactories in different places in the world? This one's in in Nevada. They're a gigafactory. So an enormous factory, enormous, giga, enormous, like giant. So it's very interesting to watch. But one thing, and just bringing this up, that is, is intriguing about Tesla is they put a lot of thought into the process of their manufacturing. A lot of thought. And they spend years, I mean, how, how long has it been since we um, saw the Tesla truck uh, debut that they're going, to, you know, they're going to make this thing? I think it's finally coming out. They've come out with their Tesla Semi now think Pepsi and Frito-Lay are, are doing their, the Tesla Semi and, and so on. But they put a lot of thought into the manufacturing process, into what their factories look like. In fact, their factories are not just utilitarian, they're beautiful. I mean, they're white and red and black, and they're, they're, they're stunning works of art. So giga, I mean, just enormous. You think about the Moraine truck plant over there, or what it used to be, uh, Foyao now, and, and, and it just, So much larger than that. It's hard to even, I I should have gotten the dimensions, but enormous factories. But think about how much they put into the process so they can have their desired product, right? They they really pay attention to the process so they have a product. In manufacturing, that's absolutely important. Now, in this matter of meekness toward God, Meekness is not a product that's manufactured, all right? Mix up this ingredient, mix up this ingredient, put this part together, and you got, voila, meekness in your life, all right? It's produced. I mean, here it is. Meekness shows up. It's shipped. It's arrived. It's installed. No, it's not a, a manufactured product. It's much more like the process of growing fruit. Now, think about this. Meekness very much is something that's cultivated as we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. Meekness. It's something that we cultivate. It takes some pruning. Yes, it's, as, as intense as Tesla's pro- process is in order to get their product in manufacturing, so isn't it very intense in the, the process of growing fruit. Uh, if you, how many of you garden? Wow. How many of you want to garden? Every year you start out and say, I want to garden, all right? We're right at that stage right now. We want to garden, okay? Or I should say my wife wants a garden, okay? And, and so we, ha- we have, if you come over to our yard, you'll see different evidences of our want to garden. <laughs> Every once in a while, it works out. When we get a grape or you know a, a, a raspberry or two or whatever, blackberry, uh, maybe a few uh, cucumbers or something. But anyway, the process of, of getting fruit, it takes as much attention as Tesla puts into the process of manufacturing a Tesla car. It takes work. It takes pruning. Takes pain, takes time, takes waiting, takes watering, takes fertilizing, takes weeding, takes time. And if you and I are going to be meek towards God, we have to allow time to work. Oftentimes meekness is developed through adversity and through difficult times, through pruning, God working, convicting. But it takes submission to the Holy Spirit of God. You can't necessarily walk out of here today. I choose to, I choose to be meek and that's just the way it's going to be. No, it it starts through the cultivation of, of submission to God. Submission to God. If you get focused on the fruit of meekness and not the process of submission, you'll be off to a wrong start this week. I submit to God. He produces the fruit of meekness. The product that God gives is meekness. The fruit is meekness as I submit to him. And so you say, well, how can I, I be meek? How am I going to practice this? Start with saying yes to God. Whatever he's telling you, say yes to God. The Bible says in James 1.21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. All right, there's a good term, superfluity of naughtiness. Basically, excess of wrongdoing. It isn't necessary, it isn't helpful, it doesn't help you at all. Lay it apart and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Even the way that we are to hear God's word tomorrow morning as we read it, as we write down our soap, even as we receive that, it is to be done in a spirit of meekness, meekness, gentleness, something that is coming from humility before God, that spirit of meekness, strength under control. The meek are those who quietly submit themselves to God, to his word, and to his rod, and who follow his directions and comply with his designs. That's the meek person. Lord, I'm yours again today. Help me not to go my own way. You have full sway of my life. I want you to rule. And the question that we need to ask is, do we live that way? Do I accept the dealings of God without murmuring and without resisting what he's doing in my life? Do I accept that? Do I desire to do his will above my own will? Do I desire that? Remember I said it a little bit ago, it's about where our feet are pointed. Sometimes we mess up like Paul. The good that I would, I do not. The, the, the good that I don't want, or the evil that I don't want to do, I, I, I do well, I'm in this battle. Where are you pointed? Where are you going? Do you desire? Do you desire and do the will of God? Do you receive his word as authoritative and always right? Yes. Yes. I acknowledge it. I struggle to live it. But I acknowledge it as authoritative. Meekness towards man, towards God, is, is evidence first in a submission to the Holy Spirit. Let's start there. But secondly, notice how meekness is evidenced towards man. It's evidenced in a gentle spirit, in a gentle spirit. We're back full circle to where we were before. The element of meekness, gentleness. And when we are submitted to the Holy Spirit of God, we can be gentle towards our fellow man. Now, we can put this into practice this week. We can look for this fruit in our our lives this week. Am I gentle? And friends, sometimes we wonder, "Am am I being submitted to the Holy Spirit? Well, look for the fruit. Is there the fruit of meekness? Is there the fruit of being gentle with my fellow man? Well, they cut me off. I got behi- uh, in front of somebody uh, yesterday uh, and I must have been going under the speed limit. Um, <laughs> my wife calls me grandpa sometimes. right? <laughs> so I, I was going and they're back there. I looked in my rear view mirror and they're going like this. You know, like, what are you doing? And it was an older guy. And so anyway, I felt like just kind of staying the course, Um, but anyway, (laughs) I admitted it, Um, but nonetheless, that, that spirit, if that's coming up this week, right, which it's not just the ungodly that do that, right, don't we? When that's evidencing itself in our lives, then we need to go back to submitting to God. Because the fruit that grows out of submission, a heart submitted to the Holy Spirit, is going to be the fruit of meekness, a gentleness with those around me. And this is where I guess the Lord's convicted me, especially uh, just recently. It's easy in the turmoil of life to not be gentle with those around, and yes, those that are closest to us. It's easy when in a professional environment, we, we, keep the gent- we, we keep up the, we can maintain publicly a lot easier than we can, than we can in, our, in our homes. And how important it is that, yes, in our homes, we're evidencing the spirit of gentleness. And if it's not there with our wife, or with our children, or with our adult children, you know what I'm saying? Now, listen, you should not go from this place and say, I'm just going to be more gentle to my, my children. No, we have to go back to submitting to the Holy Spirit. If we're submitted to Him, the fruit will be, the fruit will be meekness towards those within my home. Which leads us to an awful reality of how often we're not filled and submitted to the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So, I don't know about you, I have many prayers uh, to offer to the Lord just about this. Lord, I, I want the fruit of meekness. I want this attitude to be developed in my own life. Meekness is evidence in gentleness, Titus two and ver- uh, 3 and verse 2 to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men, even the people that annoy us the most. We all have one at top of mind right now. Even to people that, that don't deserve it. Meekness we should wrap up a few thoughts here. Meekness and a stand for truth are not mutually exclusive. We're always to be people of the truth, right? So meekness does not contradict truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth, wasn't he? So you and I, being meek, will never condone sin. The Bible even tells us In Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of... Do you all know this? In the spirit of meekness. Meekness. Strength under control. This is God's issue, but here I am. God's placed me in this situation. I am to help in a spirit of meekness in a spirit of gentleness. So meekness will never condone sin, but it will help somebody get from point A to point B, help them find uh, victory in that situation. Oh, we need that spirit of meekness in the body of Christ. Meekness is an essential ingredient in restoring sinning believers. Essential. And if you're not meek under the control of the Holy Spirit, you should not involve yourself because you'll make a mess. Oh, how important it is. Oh, how important it is for us to be submitted to the Holy Spirit and walk in meekness within the body of Christ. Spurgeon said that what a man is at home, he really is. Probably one of the most fearful things that I have as a pastor, preacher, someone who stands publicly is to be different here than I am there but that's for all of us. We should fear being different in here than we are at home. Because that's who we really are. Who we are when we get in the car and shut the door is who we really are. God is asking His body to be meek in our attitude. Meekness is a valuable quality for every Christian man and lady Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and the one thing they said about him, the one declaration that we have, is that he was meek and lowly. He's meek. He's meek. And, and what an amazing example for us today. Though he was facing incredible opposition, he rode into Jerusalem with meekness. He invites all to come unto him and learn of his meekness. Do you know the world says, ladies, you need to constantly be uh, uh, comparing yourselves and, and keeping up with all the trends out there and, and, and following after what the world says is valuable. Uh, how can you be a valuable lady? How can you be a, a lady that impresses the world? God says in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1, Likewise, likewise ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Notice there, subjection does not mean doormat, right? We're a team together. But you realize there's a parallel here? Marriage is a picture of Christ and his church, right? If we're going to have meekness, we have to be submitted to the Holy Spirit, to Christ, to the Spirit of Christ. Here he says, don't be like the world, ladies. Be in subjection to your own husband." Realize the created role that God has given. Be in subjection to your own husband. And he goes on. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wives. So he's talking about a home where there is an unsaved or someone that is away from God. He's saying you order yourself in that way. Have a meek spirit in that way so that you might win through your conversation, win them to Christ. Verse number two, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, it goes on to describe this lady, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair. Uh, I'm so glad that we don't have that in our society, the plating, the uh, stacking of the hair. But you know we have other things that draw attention to hair. Have you you noticed some of the the things that go on in in society today? Well, we as, as Christians aren't to be following in that. It's not about, look at me as I walk down the street, look at me right? Um, it is, it's not about the outward plating of the hair. They literally used to stack, stack the hair and, and have all sorts of jewels uh, embroidered through it um, in, in that day. So he says, don't let it be that and the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. He's not saying don't wear in jewelry. He says, don't let it be uh, 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 something that is just drawing all sorts of attention to you uh, in moderation. But he goes on in verse number four. What should it be? Not the outward, he says, let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is a great price. Some, some ladies want to put on a lot to draw attention and to look like they're successful. they got to have their designer bag, got to have their, their uh, flashy jewelry. God says, no, don't let it be that. As a Christian lady, I want you to to value a meek and quiet spirit. And in God's eyes, that's, that's more valuable than anything you could wear or have around your neck or have on your wrist. Do we all see that? So that meek spirit, God says, he's a firm, He's telling you ladies, how do you, how do you have, live a life that's valuable to God? Well, be meek and, and, and quiet. It doesn't mean go around and don't talk. It's just a, a spirit that's submitted to God a spirit that is rightly related towards your husband. A spirit that, that is gentle. May the Lord help us with that. But I'm not just making Jesus himself modeled for every man here the spirit of meekness even when going into opposition. He wrote into Jerusalem that way. So meekness is very important for all of us. Moses didn't start out very meek, did he? God gave him a charge. You're going to deliver my people Israel. He goes out there, he sees a taskmaster beating up on, on a couple of the, uh, of the children of Israel, and he kills them. What does it say? Exodus 2 and verse number 3. He looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He buried him. Now he has to leave town. Forty years in the backside of the desert. And when he comes back and begins leading them out, Numbers 12 and verse number 3, Now the man Moses, the man Moses, the man, like you and I, the man Moses was very meek above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. Do you know that meekness is often forged, cultivated through times of difficulty, through backsides of the desert, when God is pulling us on a detour and saying, I want you just to uh, learn to say yes to me. Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. You go back to, uh, back to there. You go to him. Tell him, let my people go. Who am, I, who am I supposed to say sent me? Say, I am sent me. And time after time, he was just supposed to obey the Lord. Get up and move the children of Israel there. Why, Lord? Because I said so. Go to the Red Sea. Stand there. Take your rod. Stretch it out. Because I said so. And we find that Moses became a very meek individual as he submitted to the Lord. Jesus is the highest example of of meekness. And he invites us all to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What is that? Submission. And learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, a place of peace. We live in a world of turmoil. God wants us to know peace through learning of Jesus Christ. The more that we learn of Jesus Christ, the more that we submit to him, say yes to him, the more we will be meek. So let's just start right there. Submit to the Holy Spirit of God and it evidences itself in a gentle spirit towards those that are around us in our homes, our workplace, wives, children, grandchildren, whoever it may be. Submit to God evidence itself like that. May the Lord help us with that. I'm praying that way. And so let's let's pray together before we leave here and ask the Lord for his strength with this. Would you bow with me? Let's stand together. We're just going to find a place to pray. I don't know about you. I'm going to find a place to kneel and just ask the Lord to help. Perhaps... You say, I haven't been submitting to the will of God, to God and His will. I see my need for meekness towards Him. I have not been submitting. So that's where I'm going to start, Pastor. I've not been in submission to Him. Maybe you say, even with an upraised hand, Pastor, that's, that's me. That's where God really touched me today. Amen. I've not had that gentle spirit, that gentleness towards my wife, my children, my coworkers. I see my need for meekness towards others. I want that fruit in my life. God's working in my heart about that. I always seem ready to engage in a battle. Just always ready for the fight. I see my need for the fruit of meekness in my heart. Find a place to pray, and we'll all pray together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.